Okay, hello everybody. Uh, welcome to the uh, the Rosecut uh, monthly uh, briefing. Daniel, hello. Uh, very welcome as, as always. Looking forward to another discussion. I guess that the background we have um, is that you know we've seen volatility in crypto markets, equity markets have crept higher, led by energy, financials to a degree. Volatility is uh, falling now to its uh, lowest level uh, since before COVID, which I think signals on itself that life is slowly getting back to, to normal. Um, you know, one, one maybe slight concern I have is in whether equity markets are at the peak. I'm, I'm personally not quite sure we're there yet, but I think that they are uh, looking a little bit vulnerable uh, in the very, very short term. Volumes are low. As I said, volatility is low. Some tactical indicators, uh, complacency in the options market uh, looking a bit stretched. So I think given that backdrop, just maybe watch out for some volatility uh, in coming weeks. June tends to be seasonally quite uh, quite weak. But I think the, the sort of the force of uh, the economic rebound will, I think, condition uh, optimism for the next couple of months uh, anyway. But one of the things, Daniel, that, that maybe you wanted to, to jump in on is the bond market and inflation. Inflation readings have been super high, uh, but we've seen a rally in, in the bond market. What, what's happening? Yeah, I suppose the first thing we should say is inflation readings are high, but that's given what we've been used to over the past 10 years. So as soon as we hear inflation's hitting 4% plus, we start thinking that's a lot higher than it's been in our uh, recent memory. In reality, we should have always really expected, I suppose, inflation measures coming in at 4 or 5%, simply because of their year-on-year comparisons. So if you go back 12 months, the world was in lockdown, economic growth uh, was very weak, and you even had oil prices that had gone negative for a while and were still at low levels. So any sort of rebound was going to see year-on-year inflation numbers uh, look a bit scary. Now, the reason they have got a little bit higher uh, than that um, you could explain just through the year-on-year comparison, is because we've had a few supply chain bottlenecks. So this is really as a result of the lockdown and uh, all of the disruption that occurred. And that's why we've seen goods like, uh, or commodities like lumber, have a, a big rally in prices until recently, when we've seen a, a supply adjustment and we've seen more, uh, more being produced. So that's, I, I think, why the Fed I'm using this language like transitory. Uh, and we can also look at some of the longer term factors as well to look at where inflation is likely to start dropping back to. And I do say dropping back to because I'm inclined to agree with the Fed at present that it is transitory. Yeah. Three big long term factors that we've seen over the past what, 20, 30 years is efficiency from technology bringing prices down, a less unionized workforce and also demographics. And this is a bit technical, but the demographics thing plays into something called the velocity of money. So in economics, you have this equation, which is MV equals PY. PY is the price level, and it basically says that that price level or price levels are equal to the money supply multiplied by velocity. So even if the money supply has gone up greatly over the past 12 months, if the velocity of money keeps on trending downwards, as it has for 30 years, then those two could negate themselves and the overall price level not change too much. So I, I think that's the inflation 
picture, 10 year break even, so back to where they've been over the past 10 years and so on. Um, but it, essentially with inflation being viewed as transitory, that gives a bit of an explanation as to why bonds have stopped selling off and actually started to rally, uh, which is something that you've been talking about for a few months. I yeah, yeah. And I, I think the, the positioning of investors in the bond market has been very bearish in that they've been expecting a, a, a rise in yields, a fall in price. Uh, and that having happened, I think people are, are, are now uh, recovering their positioning to, to, some, to some degree. Um, the other thing that's important, I guess, is, is what, what people call the taper. Uh, and we're going to hear that word more and more over the summer. So one of the reasons I think equity markets and credit markets have been so strong is that the Federal Reserve and other central banks continue to buy assets and beef up their balance sheet with those assets. Um, and, and I think now that the recovery is underway, people are looking for them just to reduce the pace of that buying. Um, and that's what we call the, the, the taper, tapering back those, uh, those, those purchases. Uh, there's a Federal Reserve meeting on the 16th of June, um, and then we've got a couple more out to September. Uh, so that should figure, uh, I think, more prominently in the market debate. And I think if the Fed do announce a tapering, uh, and maybe don't do it in an entirely gentle way, uh, you may get more volatility in, in equity uh, and bond markets. Um, Daniel, you, you're our crypto expert. Just want to throw a kind of final question to you on, on the volatility we've seen in, in crypto markets. It, it's a super interesting ecosystem. Uh, it looks like regulators, though, are, are less than happy about the rise of Bitcoin and trying in, in many ways to curb it, but it's, it's quite a resilient asset. Yeah, I think it's difficult to um, curb it, as, as you say, because you can do it at one country's level, but you can't do it. You know, you'd need everybody doing it at the same time to really curb it properly. Uh, I, I, I'm inclined to say that I think regulators are probably okay with it being viewed as a speculative asset, but it's when it starts getting referred to as a currency that they start to get particularly worried. And El Salvador might have um, <laughs> um, helped uh, create its, um, uh, helped that along, because they've announced that it's now going to be legal tender. So Bitcoin can be used uh, and merchants have to accept it in El Salvador. Which you know the Bitcoin community, I guess, are very happy about because they see it as uh, you know countries adopting Bitcoin, so they celebrate. But uh, I'm more inclined to worry more about what that does to regulators and, and them actually getting a bit spooked by it. Um, so yeah, I mean, regulators have had plenty of time now to look at it. Well, the big regulators, you know, the one in the US, for example, uh, you'd imagine they're starting to get close to drawing some conclusions as to what. Yeah. I think we need, need to, to watch out for that. So that's one of, I think, a number of stories to watch out for as we, we head into the, uh, the summer months. Uh, Daniel, thanks very much. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll rejoin the, the conversation in a month's time. Great. Thanks, Mike. Thanks.